Raider Nation, wake up and get ready because it's time for the morning grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Good morning, Raider Nation. I'm Eddie Pascal, and today is January 19th, 2021. And on this date, way back in 1963, the legendary Al Davis became the head coach and general manager of the Oakland Raiders, kicking off one of the most influential runs in professional sports history. Well, today on The Morning Grind, I am fired up because we are officially talking about the 2021 NFL Draft, and we're doing it with one of the most knowledgeable voices in the evaluation game, Matt Miller. Matt, formerly of Bleacher Report and now with thedraftscout.com, was kind enough to spare some of his time and talk a little bit of Raiders Draft, specifically what he thinks the play is at number 17 overall. So without further ado, enjoy our conversation with Matt Miller. And our guest today is Matt Miller, now from thedraftscout.com. And Matt, congratulations on the new gig, by the way. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But how are you hanging? How are you doing during these incredibly unique times that we're all living in right now? Yeah, Eddie, thanks for having me, man. It is it is unique. It's different. You know, I haven't been to a college all season, and that is that never happens. I haven't been on an airplane since the combine. You know, that never happens. So it's been it's been trying. It's been difficult. Um, but uh, there are there are perks to that. You know, I've had a lot more time at home. My kids are definitely thankful for that. I, I've had a lot more time to actually watch film because you're not on the road so much. Where it used to be, I was leaving on Thursday night to get to a college, spending the weekend there, and then trying to watch NFL games on Sunday. And by the time you get home, you know, Monday night, Monday night, football's back on. And so you're really spending a lot of your week playing catch up to the things that have already happened because you have to be able to speak intelligently about everything when you have a job like mine. So this year has been better because I've been home a lot more. I've been able to, you know, break down tape a, a lot in the process. There have been challenges with opt out players, there have been challenges with the you know, schedules being crazy. You think you were going to watch Ohio State on a Saturday and you'd wake up and it was canceled. So there have definitely been challenges and struggles, but I think I try to look at the silver lining of things too. And it's it's this relaxed season that I've ever experienced. I've been doing this for 10 years and this was by far the, the most relaxed season for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what all of us are trying to do. You're trying to look at the positives in kind of this wild year. And you, and you bring up the way that you watch football is differently, right? Because in normal times, you know, me and our digital staff, we travel to the games with the team. And obviously that was off the board this year. So you you kind of adjust, you get more creative, you try to figure out, okay, how are we going to make this work? And so I think that, you know, for better or worse, I think all of us have been pushed creatively, which I think is at least one good thing that's come out of this. But I'm wondering for a guy like you, is this the best time of the year, like the football year for you, where you got the playoffs in full swing? And the draft talk is heating up. Like there's for a guy like you, you got to be in a million different places right now. Yeah. It's funny because people who, you know, uh, when I meet someone new or, you know, make new friendships, things like that, people are always like, Oh, the, the Super Bowl's almost here. So you're about to slow down, right? Like your busy season's <laughs> over. It's like, no, not at all. Like my busy season really starts January 1st when, you know, most NFL teams are eliminated from the playoffs by that time college football playoffs have started. So this is, this is really the kickoff to my busy time of year. I'm super excited for that. You know, the senior bowl was in 11 days as we sit here right now. Uh, so I'm excited to get to mobile and be able to break down the hundred plus players they've assembled there. Uh, so it is, it's fun. It's exciting. And it's great because you know, folks like yourself who like you have a, a very, very important, very serious job weeks one through 17, where you're probably casually catching some college football games, but I've always enjoyed that part of my job where getting to now connect with fans and other reporters who haven't really followed the college football process or followed draft prospects for the last couple of months. 
it's kind of my time to shine to get to introduce you guys to some of the prospects in this class. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I went to Oregon and so I watched a, a lot of Oregon football. So I feel pretty good about those guys, but I couldn't tell you anything about the guys from Clemson. I mean, obviously I watched the college football, play, football playoff and all that stuff, but like I couldn't tell you anything about anyone from Boise state or all that stuff. So it's, this it's great for us. It's an educational experience an educational time of the year right now for us where we can get, you know, caught up to speed with guys like you. So let's talk a little bit of Raiders, shall we? And I know that there were, if you're a fan of this team, you have a really a bitter taste in your mouth still. Obviously, you look at the way the yep. season started, you're feeling really good, you're feeling strong, and the end of the season doesn't end the way that you want it. And, and undoubtedly, there are things that are going to have to get better in 2021 for this team to compete, especially in the AFC West, beginning with this defense. And there's a lot of fans, you know, that feel like this defense needs to be completely rebuilt, that they you have to start from scratch. And I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. I still think that there's some really good uh, ingredients in the cupboard, if you will. But if you are going to hypothetically start a defense over, if you're going to rebuild a defense, what do you think is the most important position, the, the position that you got to hit on if you really are going to turn things around on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think with the way the NFL is right now, it has to be at least one really good pass rusher. Now, you guys have that Max Crosby, who's phenomenal. I think the key to that is now finding someone who could play next to him because you, like everybody wants that, you know, Los Angeles Rams type defense where you have a great, you know, shutdown corner, but you have, uh, you can get some outside pressure with guys like Leonard Floyd, but that interior pressure, I mean, it's undefeated. Every quarterback in NFL history, what do they struggle with most? Interior pressure. So I think that is a huge key moving forward where, you know, they have invested draft picks, they brought in free agents, and they're still looking for that dominant player. So I think that is something, you know, pick 18 overall this year, uh, a little bit later in round one. Um, that's something that you have to identify because I think this year's draft class pairs well with the needs of the Raiders because there's not a top five pass rusher. You know, there's not a Chase Young, there's not a Nick Bosa. The first pass rusher off the board is probably going to be in the teens. And so that does bode well for you guys. With Gus Bradley coming in as DC, if you really want to rework this defense to fit what he does, you're going to want big corners and you are going to want some, some speed rushers from the edge to kind of pinch that corner. So I think that works well with what the draft board looks like and where your guys' needs are. You know, and specifically talking about this team now, you're, you're picking in the latter part of the first round, right? And, you know, it's not a sexy place to be, you know, 17, 18, it's not a, it's not a sexy place. No one's like, oh yeah, this is, this is where we want to be. It's not a top three pick. It's not a top five pick, but historically the Raiders have been able to find really good value at that pick. You know, you look at Sebastian Janikowski, uh, Art Shell was a guy that, you know, if we're going way back, way, way, way back that the Raiders were able to pick in this spot and find a lot of success <laughs> with. But I know that your evaluation is going to change a million times over the next couple of months in terms of what the Raiders are going to do, what they're not going to do. But in with that first round pick, what does your gut tell you as we sit here in mid January of what the play is going to be for them? Yeah, no, I apologize. 17, not 18. Uh, too many numbers running around in my head right now. I no, do I'm think that there are a couple, couple guys on the D line to take a look at Davion Nixon uh, from Iowa is the best defensive tackle in the class. In my opinion, he is a, a big boy that also has great uh, ability in his first step. So he's going to be able to penetrate on his own. He's going to split gaps but he's also bulky enough to stop against the run. And I think when you, if you're going to have those guys coming off the edge and a little bit of a wider set, you're going to need guys in the interior who can stop the run as well as you know, wreak havoc that can create interior penetration, even just by collapsing and pushing the pocket. So I think Nixon really, really fits what you'd want to do up front now, on the edge. If you're set on going someone opposite Max Crosby, that's where some of the value could really be quitty pay from Michigan. There's an outside shot. He could still be on the board at 17. You no, know, he's six, four, two seventy. He's a very, very good athlete, top-tier athlete who has experience playing inside and outside for the Wolverines. I think he's more of a classic 4-3 defensive end. He could be there. 
Uh, there's a couple guys at the University of Miami, Gregory Russo, who was an opt-out player. But in 2019, he had 19 and a half sacks, uh, excuse me, 19 and a half tackles for a loss, 15 and a half sacks, um, and a six foot seven, 260. So he's going to give you that length that you want with speed to power conversion. Jalen Phillips filled in for him this year when he opted out, had a similarly great year. He's a former UCLA guy, who some of your fans might remember uh, as a five star prospect who went there. I think at Texas, Joseph Osai is really exciting, 6'4, 265. He was the best defensive player in the Big 12 this past year. And has that speed off the edge you're looking for. So that's five defensive linemen who could realistically, that's where their landing spot would be is kind of in the you know, late teens, early twenties. And I, I think all are really good fits for what Gus likes to do defensively. What did, when you take a look at the entirety of the draft class this year, what did, what are the, some of the deepest position groups that kind of jump off to you at, you know, especially kind of early in this process now? Yeah, you know, it's a cheat to say running back and wide receiver because mm-hmm. they're deep every year now, but they are, once again, you know, it is as expected. So it's not so much that they stand out. It's just, oh, wow, another year of, you know, good wide receiver and running back depth, which y'all are, are pretty sad at, at those positions right now. I, I think the edge rusher group got sneaky deep with some of the underclassmen who declared, with some of the seniors who really stepped up and played better this year than we expected, maybe. So that's a group where, you're looking at you know, five, maybe six guys with a top 32 grade. But then when you get into round two and three, there's probably eight or nine other guys who are going to grade out really well there. And this is before the senior bowl where some people in that group you know, generally rise up the board a little bit. And I do think the offensive tackle class is rounded out really well. You're an Oregon guy. You know all about Vinny Sewell. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. But Rashawn Slater at Northwestern, who also opted out, could be a top six or seven pick. Uh, there's Sam Cosme at Texas, Dylan Radins. Uh, from North Dakota State, Alex Leatherwood uh, from Alabama. There's a lot of really good offensive tackles in this class. So it's, you know, it's not like last year where you had, you know, Joe Burrow, who had just had maybe the greatest year ever for a college quarterback. We had Chase Young. You had all those electric wide receivers. The top of last year's draft was just historically loaded. This year's not like that. Trevor Lawrence is great. Then there's a pretty big gap in to the next tier of player. So this year's draft is better in that middle of first round, middle of second round range instead of being more top heavy. You know, and you kind of touched on it when we first started chatting about the evaluation process for you this year and how this has been such a different year. But as an evaluator, are things different for you this year, considering it feels like everyone wasn't playing on, on an even playing field, if that makes sense, where you look at teams and right. some teams are playing eight games. Some teams are playing a full, a full 12. Some teams aren't playing at all. You have opt-out guys. Like, what have been the biggest challenges for you in terms of trying to get a really good sense of who these guys are? Yeah. The biggest, the biggest challenge has been keeping track of who's playing and who's not yeah. each week, because you know, my, yeah. my job is not 32 guys. It's over 500. So you're trying to keep track of, okay, wait, who opted out and who's actually playing this week, especially on the spot. Like if somebody asks you on a radio show or somebody asks you on Twitter, like, Hey, who should I watch in this game? You almost have to always have your notes open in front of you be like, okay, this guy opted out, this guy opted out. So that, that has been tough. I think the other thing that has made it difficult is like you said, uh, mostly conference play, which makes, evaluating a guy like Zach Wilson at BYU a lot harder than evaluating Kyle Trask of Florida. Kyle Trask is only playing SEC competition. Zach Wilson's only playing Mountain West competition. So that has made things a little bit more difficult. It's also made for some players, it's allowed them to shine. I think, you know, watching Alabama play uh, the guys that they went up against this year, watching Notre Dame play a conference schedule for the first time. So it has been a benefit in some ways while also it has been a little difficult. You know, the Pac-12, they like to keep things in-house for the most part. But, you know, normally you would get some USC Notre Dame. You would get some, you know, games like that, you know, where I think this year North Dakota State was scheduled to go to, I, I think maybe it was to Oregon early in the season. I was really looking forward to that game. So there's some of those marquee matchups that you normally get for players. We didn't get this year for, especially 
Pac-12 and the Big 12 because they didn't make the college football playoff. That really affects your ability to see those, you know, you want your one versus one type matchup. We didn't get a lot of those for those conferences. You know, and you're looking at the very top of the draft board this year, right? And it feels like it's going to be Trevor Lawrence unless there is something catastrophic, you know, cataclysmic, something that blows us out of the water, right? So do you like the years where there's where there's that clear cut number one guy? Or do you kind of like, like, oh, it could be this, it could be that. Like, where do you kind of lay on, on that? Yeah, you know, I've, I've worked through both. It is, it's better for my job when there's mystery at the top. You know, you get sure. more traffic, you get, there's more people asking you what's going to happen. A year like this where we've known for like two years that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick. What happens now is the conspiracy theories of no way Urban Meyer is going to want Justin Fields. And you kind of get tired of being like, no guys, that's not going to happen. And it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, we had that last year. We knew it was going to be Joe Burrow. Year before that, you know, I actually had reported on January 7th of that year that it was going to be Kyler Murray and had to deal with the people who were like, no, it's not. It's not going to be Kyler Murray. So there's been myself included, right? A lot of people were like, there's no way. So it, it is it is more fun when there's intrigue. Uh, I think what happens when, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to go first. You just start looking at what's going to happen next. You know, it's I, I remember what 2016 Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, like we knew the first two picks before the draft even started. So those days feel like they're forever ago and and I know the NFL won't let Jacksonville announce just yet but I mean I think we can all say it's going to be Trevor Lawrence yeah I'm, I'm with you 100% there but I, I'm with you too where you, you love the intrigue right like at this point at this point of the year it's all the stories right you're all like you said it's a conspiracy theories it's getting oh is this going to happen what if this happened you know it's all the moving pieces so there's a, a definite sense of intrigue and excitement there but just wrapping up with Matt Miller Matt you have a very exciting new project that you just started and I'm curious can you just tell me a little bit more about the draft guy how did this come to be um I obviously I assume that this is something that's been a long time coming for you and I imagine you're pretty fired up to get it uh rocking and rolling in the next couple of weeks yeah, man, I've been working on this since June when I decided that I was going to leave Bleacher Report after 10 years there as their lead NFL draft guy. It was just time to try something new. I, I really felt like I'd accomplished everything I could there. And so I, I wanted a, a new adventure, something that I could build on my own. So I launched the Draft Scout uh, 10 days ago, actually. And February 11th, articles will start rolling out. Um, that's just due to a, a contract thing. I'm not just chilling for a month. Uh, but I'll have a seven-round mock draft. I'll have complete team needs, like in-depth team needs for every franchise. And in the meantime, I'm trying to do a lot of fun things to keep people engaged, like Zoom happy hours, going to be doing some scouting clinics with, you know, people who are experts in the industry, uh, like Matt Bowen, Quincy Avery, Jeff Schwartz, uh, people who really know their their stuff, especially position specific. Uh, and then we'll be doing like live mock drafts. So there'll be 32 general managers and me that hop in a Zoom call like you and I are doing right now. And they'll actually go on the clock for their team. So there's going to be one Raiders GM who's going to go on the clock at, at pick 17 and and have to sit there and watch the Jags and the Jets and the Dolphins and everybody pick ahead of you. So I think things like that are going to be fun just to try to build. Like Twitter is amazing and it sucks at the same time because everyone's so mean on there. So it's like, let's build this community of people yeah. who actually really love the NFL draft and we can learn from each other and we can kind of lift each other up and have fun. And it's going to be an environment that is not at all as toxic or political or frustrating as Twitter has become. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it the best way where Twitter is awesome and it is also heartbreaking and defeating yes. and a very dark, dark place at times. Well, Hey Matt, congratulations on the success, man. Congratulations on the new project. I know all of us here in silver and black productions are going to be keeping an eye on everything that you Thank got you. cooking over the next couple of weeks. So as I said, man, congratulations. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us and make sure everyone goes out and follows Matt on Twitter at NFL drafts, draft scout. Once again, that's at NFL Draft Scout. So like I said, Matt, thank you. Thank you very much. And let's, uh, let's do this again soon sometime. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. 
A big thank you to Matt Miller of thedraftscout.com. And just a reminder that the 2021 NFL Draft kicks off in Cleveland on April 29th. I'm Eddie Pascal, and this is The Morning Grind. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Morning Grind on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians, but we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com.